In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who listens to us, so that our story might be a part of His story. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a movie, not a movie, a TV show that's on right now, and it just got through its first season, and it looks like it's doing fairly well. And uh, a friend of mine uh, told me that that I should watch it because it had a lot of spiritual matter in it. Um, And and the the name of the TV show is Last Man on Earth. And uh, the the Last Man on Earth, the the whole idea behind Last Man on Earth is that uh, there is this guy, it's it's after a a nuclear apocalypse or after, um, you know, zombies have taken over the world and then died off because nobody, they didn't have anybody else to eat um, or, or, or whatever it is, everybody, it appears, is gone. Maybe the rapture happened, and, and you know, um, everybody's gone, though. And so, as the first couple of episodes, which is all I've watched so far, come up, they, you see this guy, this guy named Phil, going around the United States in a, what you can only imagine as a stolen RV, and uh, as he's going around, he's going to these different states, and he's crossing off the states, and every state that he goes to, on the state sign, so if it were here in Florida, you know, it, it would be that state sign, and it would say, Governor Rick Scott, Florida, open for business, um, but then he would take a spray can, and he writes on it, alive in two And so he he does this trip all through the United States, marking up all of their signs, apparently, and then heads back to Tucson and just sits there and waits for somebody to have seen that sign and to come to Tucson where maybe he'll find out that he is not the completely last human being on earth. And so he goes back to Tucson, and when he goes back to Tucson, he starts off by going to his apartment, and as he walks into his apartment, he then kind of, it kind of sobers up and he says, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Um, there is nobody left. And so he goes and he takes over a mansion outside of Tucson, and that then becomes the place that he lives. And he's living in, in a way that I, I think we probably all kind of fantasize about living. He, he, he gets to go to the grocery store, and he gets to pick up whatever he wants. Because, well, who's he going to pay? And then he goes about doing these things in his normal day that, well, maybe some of us have dreamed of. Because he starts off by going to the bowling alley, and instead of bowling inside, he bowls in the parking lot. And he bowls in the parking lot, and he he gets kind of tired of bowling with pins, and so he he ramps it up a little bit. And then he, he begins to bowl with other things like fish tanks. And then he he even gets to the point where he takes a car and attaches a burning gas can to it and has it ram into another car, and it explodes... And you can only imagine how much fun that would be. And he's having a lot of fun, it seems, even though he's all by himself. But this all kind of, well, it gets old after a while. And one day, 
while he is in his big mansion and he's found a generator which he's using to run a movie projector. And as he's doing that, he's watching Castaway. And as he's watching Castaway, he's watching that particular moment in Castaway where Tom Hanks' character has decided that his new best friend is going to be a volleyball named Wilson. And Phil looks at this and he says, that is ridiculous. I am never going to do that. That is so bananas. And in almost the next scene... You see him with a pantheon of different balls, a basketball, a pool cue, just everything out there. Because he needs somebody to listen to him. And throughout this whole thing, in a sort of a tevier, fiddler on the roof kind of a way, he's talking to God. Because honestly, who else does he have to talk to? And he's having this discussion with God about what he wants. And what he really, really, really wants is just another human being. Just another human being who can be there with him, that will listen to him, that will interact with him. Well, I I think that sometimes that's kind of the way that we feel with God. Sometimes we feel as if there's nobody in the world that will listen to us and that perhaps he's the only person who will listen to us. And then we can even get into that kind of shady area where we begin to wonder if God is actually listening to us. And that's where Phil kind of ends up and and he, he continues to wait for people to show up and he's just about given up hope when God finally sends him somebody. And he sends him somebody, and I'm not going to ruin it for you, but he sends him somebody. And during the time that he is just getting to know this person for the very first time, he's actually passed out. And this person wakes him up and he begins to sing a song. And the song is the Ghostbusters theme. Which, if you don't remember it, classic movie from the 80s, if you don't remember it, the line goes, when there's something strange in the neighborhood, who are you going to call? The Ghostbusters. Which, if you think about it, that's, that's a question for Phil. Who is Phil going to call? Because up until this point, Phil has had no one to call. Except God. Who do we call? When something big happens in our life, whether that be a good thing or a bad thing, who who do we call? Do we call family? Do we call friends? Who is it that we call? Do we call God? Well, in this set of readings that we have for this Sunday, especially focused around this reading from Acts, we we have sort of an interesting dichotomy of of different people calling on God or not calling on God. And the first of those people is Judas. 
Judas, this person who lives in infamy throughout all of the scriptures, who when the Gospel of John opens up and we meet Judas for the first time, John informs us right away just to make sure that there is nothing to be unclear. This is the one who betrayed Jesus Christ. This Judas, we we kind of wonder, how on earth do you become a Judas? Well, people have have kind of thought and put together some theories, and one of those theories goes along the path that, well, Judas just finally got to the point where he felt that God wasn't hearing him. You see, Judas, his last name sort of is Iscariot, which a lot of people think is, is sort of related to this cult group of Jews called the Sicarii. And the Sicarii, they were knife men. I mean, that's literally what that word means, is is dagger men. And they were basically ninjas. Well, sort of, in a very Jewish way. (laughs) And what they would do is they would go and and they would commit assassinations, uh, assassinations against Roman officials, against Jewish officials that they thought were traitors. They would go out there and they were all assassins. Their whole idea was that if they could just bring back political power to Israel through these assassinations and things, then all of a sudden the Messiah would arrive. And when the Messiah arrived, he would kick out the Romans and he would do all of these great things. And so Judas thought that he met the Messiah. He thought, okay, it's coming. And he's traveling around with Jesus for so long. And it seems like, well, Jesus is not doing the things that he's expecting. It feels like God isn't listening to his cries for a political king, for somebody who is going to take over Israel. And so, well, Judas does what we do, I think, when we get to that point where we feel like God isn't listening to us and isn't answering our prayers. He takes matters into his own hands. And he says, well, I'll just kind of nudge Jesus. And then when I nudge Jesus and he gets taken by all of these bad guys in the Sanhedrin, well, that nudge, that'll mean that he just goes completely violent, turns into Jesus Van Dam, and everybody (laughs) repents and leaves Israel, and from there, then everything is going to be okay. But that's not what happens to Jesus. Instead, what happens to Jesus is that Jesus goes willingly as a lamb to the slaughter. And he goes willingly to the cross. And there on that cross, he dies. And Judas realizes that he dies. And according to the Gospel of Matthew, we know that Judas feels badly about this. He goes back to the people that he sold Jesus out to. And he says, take back this money. I have done something wrong. And they said, we can't take that blood money. You're, you're on your own, buddy. And then we learn in Acts here that what Judas does is he goes out and he hangs himself. And he hangs himself in such a way that it must have been from such a high point that it actually causes more physical harm to him than what would normally happen to anybody else. His bowels actually spill out of him. Great visual image there for you on a Sunday morning, I know. 
And why did he do that? Well, he did that for, I think, the same reason that he betrayed Jesus. Because he didn't think that God could or would listen to him anymore. Why would God listen to me? I just killed his son. God is not going to listen to me. God is up there, and even if he is listening to me, he's not going to certainly hear me and, and do anything good for me. And how many times have we been in similar positions after having committed a sin that we feel especially bad about, and we look up into the heavens, and we wonder if that holy God who is up there will actually listen to our prayer, will actually listen to our confession, will actually listen to what it is that we have to say, because we feel so awful about ourselves that we feel like we are the last man or the last woman on earth. We feel so totally alone and so alienated by our own sin. But even in those moments, God promises to us that he listens to us. And on the other side of that coin, on the other side of this story, what you have is the disciples that are gathering together and the disciples similarly have had their entire world turned around. They don't have Jesus around anymore. He's just floated up into the heavens in ascension. And now they're wondering, what is life going to be like? And is God still with us? And so as they're praying together, they they come up to this point where they say, well, we have to make a decision about what to do about Judas. And is God with us? Well, I think he is. And because they have that faith, because they have that faith that God is listening to them, they hear God's voice through the casting of the lots through the working of his church, through the speaking of his scripture. Just in the same way that we who have faith on this day hear his response to our prayers in the words of scripture that I read and that Scott read, through the sacrament of Holy Communion, Through all of those things, God is speaking to us in loud and clear language and giving us one very clear message. I am listening. Despite our sins, despite how alone we feel, He is listening. Amen.